attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where Each week, I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Gina Kotner, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Gina Kotner is the CEO of Athena Executive Services, a firm dedicated to helping busy business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives achieve work-life balance. With over 15 years of remote work experience, Gina has mastered the art of living from her calendar and coaches others on time management. Gina and her team of remote part-time executive assistants free up their clients' time to do what they do best. And so this is a conversation about executive assistants, virtual assistants, whoever you want to talk about them. This is an important topic, especially for small firm architects, business owners trying to get all of the things done. I think this is a key critical member of your team that you should have. And we're going to talk about that. And so, Gina, welcome. Great. Thanks, Mark. Let's start with your origin story. Go back as far as you want to go back. When did you discover your passion for what you do and maybe even who or what inspired you to get started? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a bit of a winding road. So, I graduated with a degree in human resources and public relations. And I don't know that I've spent more than six months in any job having to do with public relations. <laughs> but there was a really great background to have, you know, to have some really solid knowledge in both of those has served me really, really well. And in my late 20s, I was working for IBM. Let's see, in my late 20s, we were approaching the dot com era. So we're in the late 90s now. My friends, you know, we're all, I don't know, 26, 27, 28. My friends are now all off, going to go work for dot coms. And I just 
was way too, I don't know, nervous about that. And I wanted something big and stable and steady. So, you know, working for IBM would be a good qualified Right, exactly. I worked for them for about six years. And it was a great, great, great place for me to be. And then I don't know whether I went through this phase because I was in my early 30s and everybody goes through this in their early 30s or if it just because it was where we were at in society in the early 2000s. But I said to myself, well, I don't want a J-O-B anymore, right? I want freedom. I want work for myself. I want to control my schedule. I'm not going to be bound by just two weeks of vacation per year. And of course, I'm going to all these seminars on everything from real estate to MLMs to all these places you can have you know, residual income and passive income. And I'm like, yes, that's got to be for me. And I decide I'm going to be an entrepreneur one day and I start going to work on it. And in all of my brilliance in my early 30s, I decide I'm going to open a martini lounge. <laughs> uh-huh. Because that's really smart. But I do decide I really want to be an entrepreneur. And I finally read a line in a book that said, I think it was a book by Robert Kiyosaki that kind of resolved it for me. And it had to do with disappointment. And he just said, there's going to be disappointment. Yeah. So you're sitting there trying to get all your ducks in a row and get ready to do it right. You're just not. So, But if you can deal with there's going to be disappointment, well, then you might want to jump. And I was like, oh, okay, there's going to be disappointment. All right, I'll go. So I spent a year and a half getting ready to open this martini lounge. And my business partner and I were ready to mortgage everything we owned out to the hilt. And now we're in like 2005, 2006. I think 2006, I give my notice to IBM. I spend another, I don't know, year or so working on this. Now, mind you, we're approaching 2008. I was noticing that. And I don't have a crystal ball. And it was really the best thing I ended up not doing. So we got very close to opening and I said, I can't do this. And thank goodness that I didn't. Yeah. So we pulled the plug on it. (laughs) 2008 came, 2009 came. Thank goodness I didn't do that. And shortly thereafter, I was in the middle. I was separated from my husband and I was in the middle of a divorce and I left him a large house and moved into my mother's basement because that's always a proud moment when you're 40 and you move into your mother's basement for a few months. (laughs) And I get an apartment and I'm kind of restarting my life and I start getting notices in the mailbox that are yellow pieces of paper and pink pieces of paper. I didn't really think yellow and pink slip type things existed, but they did and telling you that your mortgage isn't getting paid, which was very scary and that your house is about to be foreclosed upon. Oh, so this is the house that you're no longer living in. Yep. And you're being informed that the mortgage is not being paid. That's right. Interesting. Yep. But I know there's renters there and there's some amount of income coming in because we had always had renters there. So I'm not too sure what's happening with my soon-to-be former husband, but something bad was happening. We're all good friends today and all that was bad has been resolved. But... In the midst of all of that, I'm off trying to be an entrepreneur. I don't open the martini lounge. I decide to become a business coach. I'm a business coach for a while. Then somebody finds me and goes into business with me and has me be a hospitality consultant with them. And I learned a ton in that whole world of being a hospitality consultant. But now I have this pending divorce and this pending house foreclosure. And I'm so stressed out. And I just said, I just need a job. I just want to go somewhere. I go to work and I do something fairly easy and I make a difference for somebody and I go home 
And then some money shows up in my bank account. Right. I just want to do that. And of course, like many people, I think, well, I've done all these really big, great things. I could be an executive assistant. Why don't I do something like that? Go be somebody's sort of personal handler, personal assistant, executive assistant type person. Because I don't have the energy or the bandwidth or the mentality to keep trying to be an entrepreneur. So I let my whole community know, all my friends and family know, listen, I'm looking for work. I'm looking for work. And I'm on Facebook one day and I find this woman that I knew a little bit, kind of just an associate, was a CEO of a recruiting firm and she was looking for an executive assistant. And I thought, okay, I like her. I think I could do that work. Let me try. And we get ourselves together. She hires me as her executive assistant. And I go to the office, right? I ride the bus, take my laptop and my bag. I go to the office with her. I become her executive assistant. I manage her calendar and I manage her inbox and I manage a variety of things. And a few months later, she realizes she doesn't really need the office space. She's like, we could all just work from home. And this is probably 2011, maybe. Yeah. And so she gets out of that lease and all the recruiters and me and her, and we're all just working from home. And there I am. I'm an executive assistant working from home. And I just think this is super cool. And this is great. And I got flexibility and I can go change the laundry in between phone calls. And I can, you know, put the dishes away in the cupboard in between phone calls. And I'm loving this life. And I do that for a few years. And then that business got small, kind of the current phase it was in fizzled out. And she said, you know, would you be willing to take like a sabbatical? And we'll talk again in a few months. And I said, you know what? My father, we knew my father was going to pass away. So my father's declining. I want to go spend the last months of his life with him in California. So let's just say goodbye for now and we'll see what happens. So I go to California, spend the last six weeks of my father's life with him, which was really sacred and great to be able to do. Yeah. I go back home to Seattle and I'm mourning and I'm grieving and I'm kind of just, you know, however you are when your parents pass for a few months. And then I wake up and go, okay, I'm ready to find another CEO to go be an executive assistant for. And I rustle the bushes and tell everybody I'm looking for somebody. And one of my friends, Tiffany, says, my CEO that I work for definitely needs you. And I said, okay. And I get partnered up with him. And I go to the office one day a week, kind of just to clean his office, to like get all the mail off the desk and open the mail and do some stuff and file some stuff. And then I went back home. I worked the next rest of the week from home. And we're grooving along. And she says, listen, I have done some planning for next year. And I'm going to need you as well. And I said, well, I'm full. I don't have any more bandwidth. I'm happy with what I'm doing. Good luck with that. And she said, well, that's okay. Just find me somebody like you. I said, well, I don't know. And she and I were had mutual friends and we put our heads together and I said, all right, let's find somebody and I'll coach them. I'll coach them a little and you, but you've got to be good to work for. Don't you can't be a pain in the butt to work for. Let's find somebody. So we find a mutual friend named Dorian. Dorian's young. She's like 25 years old. She's had one job her entire adult life. Dorian says, I'd love to come work with you guys. So Dorian comes on board. I'm now coaching her and she is Tiffany's EA. So Dorian and I are working for two people in the same company. We're both doing executive assistant work and I'm making sure she's great. And then a few more months go by and Tiffany says, the guy's in sales, Gina really need you. And by the way, you should open this as a business. And yeah, I was accidental like, oh. entrepreneur. 
in action. No, I don't want to open this as a business. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I do not want my mortgage getting paid to be based on the next contract I sign. That is way too stressful. And she said, Gina Cotner, just get over yourself and go open this thing as a business. So I found somebody else. Her name was Allison. And in May of 2016, I took $5,000 and drove to my local Wells Fargo bank. And I opened up a business account with $5,000. And Dorian and Allison and I were the first payroll. And that was seven years ago. So that's how Athena got off the ground. And then I worked myself out of a job. Interesting. So talk about that part, the working yourself out of a job. And then we'll get into a little bit more about what executive assistants do and give some tips to our listeners. Yeah, good. So I continued to do work delivery in the business. So I continued to be an EA for a while. But then I started spending part of my time finding the next client and another possible executive assistant. Because for me to just keep the two I had, they needed more work also. Yeah. So we were finding a little more work for Allison, a little more work for Dorian. Then you know, pretty soon somebody else wanted to work for us. And then I go find another client for them or a client will come along that I got to go find somebody to pair with them. Um, and I just started getting in the matchmaking business, I guess you could say. And then I realized I, I want to work myself out of a job. I want to become a business owner. So I want to move from, which is another big state, right? Moving yourself from being self-employed, to being a business owner, who's then running a business that has systems in it. So I turned over my work as an executive assistant to one of my people. And I just started building systems upon systems upon systems, right? How would I train an executive assistant? How would I onboard a client? How would I onboard an executive assistant? Well, what if they live in California? Well, what if they live in Florida? You just started crossing all those bridges as they came along year after year. And then when the pandemic hit, we did take a hit. But then ultimately, the pandemic really just threw gas on the fire. Right. Right. Everybody now had to work from home. So I took the opportunity to, at that point, I was up to like 15 executive assistants. And I took one of the very best ones we had and turned her into an operations manager and turned over major parts of the business to her. And that's probably a whole other podcast for a whole other day. How do you turn over the heavy lifting of a firm to somebody so then you can go do things like play pickleball and golf? (laughs) Exactly. So that's very interesting. That's a very interesting story. And to hear sort of the accidental entrepreneur in you, and then once you fully embrace it, you know, you build this business and work yourself out of a job, still a CEO, still making the big decisions, still doing the visionary side of it, growing the business. You have people running the business and doing the day-to-day, which is very interesting. We should have that second conversation, but I want to stick to what we promised our listeners here about executive assistants. Let's start a little bit high level. Tell me what an executive assistant does in your case, specifically virtual work. Tell me what that role is and how it works. And then maybe even the differences between someone in person and a remote executive assistant. Yeah, sure. So it all evolved out of the world of secretaries. You shouldn't say secretary in front of an executive assistant. They will hurt you badly. That's good tip. Tip number one. (laughs) Don't say the word secretary. That ship has sailed. But it grew out of that, right? And then people become admin. 
and admin assistants. And then really strong admin assistants get called executive assistants. And then those now often graduate into a whole world now called chief of staff. So executive assistants are people who manage others' admin work. But admin work has also elevated as technology has elevated. So at the basic level, it's manage somebody's calendar. Make sure that the calendar makes sense. Make sure it's a day that you could actually live. Is there enough time to like eat and prepare for that meeting and get ready for that meeting and get to the next meeting? And are you prepared for that meeting? And did you have enough time last week to prepare for that meeting? Are you ready for that meeting? And then managing your inbox, managing all kinds of projects in a given office, whether the project is just you and me, or the project is you know a small group of people, or the project might be, you're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, we're going to farm it out, but who are we going to farm it out to? So EAs end up doing tons of project management, whether it's where's the family going to go on spring break or what's the new CRM we're going to use or, uh oh, I think we should move this piece of software, that piece of software. Could you go do some research on that? They end up doing lots of research, travel planning, expense planning. That's all garden variety executive assistant work. And some people will have an executive assistant do it. Some people call it a VA, a virtual assistant. Yeah. I just decided I want to call my people virtual executive assistants because they are a, have a higher caliber of business acumen. So in the wide range of assistants, and this is not to put down or denigrate anybody, there are task doers. And sometimes you might just need tasks done. You could go to Upwork or Fiverr. Yeah. You could go to a firm in the Philippines and you could get virtual assistants that will do tasks for you. All the way up to personal handlers and personal assistants, you know, which you can picture walking next to a senator or somebody from Hollywood or what have you. So a virtual executive assistant is working somewhere outside of your office. In my firm, they're only in the United States. So that's one aspect of the industry. I'll give you an industry overview in a few minutes, but they're working for you remotely. You guys are connected regularly via... Voice conversation, text, Slack, email. I mean, there's just so many forms of ways of staying connected. And you're delegating. And you're delegating to them as a whole other podcast, what to delegate. But (laughs) everything that you are not good at and that is not the highest and best use of your time. Or maybe you're really great at it. It is a good use of your time. And man, you just hate doing it. At the end of the day, you just go home not happy. Okay. So that is somebody. And a lot of times an executive assistant will do most of that work for you. And again, if it's not their wheelhouse, their zone of genius, you might say, they can turn around and figure out how to farm it out for you. So that's a high level of what executive assistants do. Now, if you have staff, they might also help you manage your staff. But the whole point of having any kind of assistant is to leave you freed up to do what is the highest and best use of you. I call it being a surgeon. I don't know where I got this. Somebody someday will hear me say this on a podcast and go, hey, that was in my book. And I'll go, oh yeah, that was that book I read. But I loved it. Somebody referred to it as being a surgeon, right? So when a surgeon goes to work, they drive their fancy, fancy car to the part of the parking lot where all the other fancy cars are. And they go in and I imagine they stand there a bit like a scarecrow and somebody puts on all their gear to be able to perform surgery, they scrub in, at least if they do it like we see on TV or in the movies, they walk into a room that is fully prepared yep. 
for them to do the thing they are paid the most to do and they are the best at and they do it. And then when they're all done, right, they, we imagine they leave the room, somebody takes off all that gear, somebody else cleans all the instruments, somebody else takes care of all the paperwork. They go give the news to the family. And then what do they go do? They get in their car and they go home to the golf course. Yes. <laughs> they go golf. Or they go to their kid's soccer game. Or they go to yoga. Yeah. Or they go to Pilates. Or right, they they're go- not cleaning the instruments and putting them away. Exactly. So that's kind of a story that tells why delegate, what to delegate. And that's not going to happen next month. But if you start mm-hmm. and you start giving things away, you can have in mind this long-term vision called, oh, but a year from now, or six months from now, I'm not going to be the person on hold with the IRS. I'm not going to be the person on hold with the cable company. I am not going to be the person finding the pretty photos for the social media post. I'm not going to be the one because I'm investing now in training somebody and starting to turn things over so that I can be the surgeon. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. Accurate data is crucial, especially in today's business environment. Outdated and inaccurate data leads to turnarounds, delays, and rising costs. With supply chain and staffing issues, these costs and delays can multiply. That's why a resource like RCAT.com is so important. RCAT works with manufacturers to keep their data up to date and accurate and offers it to you easily, accessible, and free. Use RCAT's powerful search engine to find what you need fast and download it right there on their site without needing to pay for anything. It's free. You don't even have to register. So go try RCAT.com today. That's A-R-C-A-T dot Unlock your full potential as an architect business owner at Entree Architect Network. Since 2013, Entree Architect has been the premier membership community designed exclusively for small firm entrepreneur architects like you. Join a vibrant community of like-minded professionals and gain access to a wealth of resources, mentorship, and support. From comprehensive courses to expert guidance, Entree Architect Network equips you with the necessary tools to thrive in your career. Master business strategies, enhance your marketing techniques, and excel in project management, all while fulfilling your continuing education requirements along the way. Break free from the isolation and connect with a supportive network that understands the unique challenges that you face as an architect business owner. Whether you're a startup architect or a seasoned professional looking to make a difference, join us and we will help you elevate your career, boost your confidence, and unlock opportunities for your architecture firm. When our community of entrepreneur architects is linked and leveraged as one, there's no limit to the impact that we can have on the world. Visit EntreeArchitect.com today and become part of our thriving network. Unleash the full potential of your architecture business. Join Entree Architect Network today the premier global business organization for small firm architects. Learn more at entrearchitect.com. Let's talk tactics a little bit. Actually, before we talk tactics, let's talk mindset. Because I think a lot of architects, we've talked about similar things before in the podcast. And often 
small firm architects will tell me, I know I need that, but I just can't let that control go, right? I want to be able to control it all. I want to, to flip all the levers and push all the buttons. So do you have any suggestions on how we can start with our mindset and to allow some of that control to go to some others? Yeah. I mean, I think it is, what do you want? If you close your eyes and you look out into the future, what do you want life to be like a year from now? It is choices and then consequences. So that's all we really have. We have choices and we have consequences. Consequences don't always mean bad. There's like good consequences. So it's really for you to choose. It's not wrong to keep control and hold it all, but that gives you a certain life and that comes with certain consequences. Now, when you release your grip, you could say you release control, that's going to come with different consequences. Different, yes. Are there going to be risks? Yep. You're going to trade out one set of risks for another. You're going to trade out one consequence for another. I invite people to just try it. Okay, what if you do release a little bit of control and you give somebody some reins to go run a project a little bit? Okay, then what makes that possible for you? It might be unnerving. It might be a little stressful. It might be a little scary, but maybe you get a benefit you really like, or maybe you hang in there and six months from now, it's no longer scary or stressful. You will have to grow. I mean, that's kind of the great thing. You think, oh, I got to train this person. Yeah, but they're training you. <laughs> yeah. And if they're good at their job, they will train you. They'll go, Mark, listen, here's the best way to delegate to me. Or here's what we should do. Every Monday, we're going to talk. You're going to delegate. I'm going to tell you how I have things prioritize. I'm going to ask you what you agree and disagree with. If you have a really strong EA, they will train you. And you can over time start to put your life kind of in their hands because you trust them to lead you. Because what they don't know anything about is what you're an expert at. They can honor the expert in you and you honor the expert in them. Yeah, I think often the question is, or the pushback is, oh, I don't have enough money to do that, or I don't have enough time to do that. Those are the two things that sort of stop them after they've realized, okay, I have to release control. I need to do this. It's often time and money. I think the money question, if you think about it, is pretty easy to answer, right? Once you have somebody doing all the things that you shouldn't be doing and actually aren't getting paid to do, so you can focus more on the things that you're really good at and that you do get paid to do, you very quickly pay for the person that you hire. But I want to get into the time question, the training question, because that's the big question. You know, how do I hire somebody and then find the time to train them? And how do I train them? How do I get them to do the things that I need them to do? What do I do? Yeah, well, I would start and everybody listening to this could just start today. You start a list of the things you see that are what I'd call like low hanging fruit. Yeah. Might not take a lot of training. You start writing those things down. Oh, yeah. Throughout your day, I could give this away. I could give that away. And yes, you are going to have to work on your business, right? We all are in that mix between working on the business and in the business. Right. You're never going to invest any time in building systems. Well, then you're never going to elevate out of just being in the day-to-day delivery of everything there is to do and handle in your firm. So you are going to have to carve out some time. And I would say before you hire an assistant, carve out a little bit of time to look at the systems. What are like the top three things I would like to give away? One thing I wanted to give away was the vetting and screening of staff. So I was like, if I have to have that same conversation and answer those same questions any more time, we're shutting down. I'm going to vomit. 
But over time, I did ask the same questions at step one, step two, step three, step four in the vetting and screening process. And so I started documenting it. You could take videos of what you do. You could do audio recordings of what you do. But I finally realized, oh, I'm just going to start recording what I do. It's not going to be this gorgeous manual. But now I've got something I can give away. And I gave away certain steps. I didn't give away the entire screening and vetting process. But at first, I gave away the first couple calls. And that was just hugely relieving. So you can think of a whole system you might have that you want to give away and give away two or three little steps of it, two or three little parts of it, just so you can notice, oh, okay, wow, they really can hold that. And I really am now free to do something else. And then give away. So part of it is, do you have systems in place that you can give away? Because if it's all in your head, it's very hard to give away. So that's a good investment of time. Can you have the executive assistant create those systems? You bet. Absolutely. I mean, I think it'd be great because they're the one who's going to use it. So you could say, listen, next Tuesday at 10, I need to figure out how to have you be able to do X. What do you think you need? Right. Right. Give them the result and then let them ask the questions they need. Right. I don't know the answer to this question. So here's the question. This is information I need then all you're giving them is the information they need. You're not giving them the entire system. Chances are they'll build a better system for you because they're actually built for that, right? Their mindset is already built to create systems and be organized. You're not, right? You're an architect, right? You want to go and design and serve your client. And so that's a great way to do that. You had said earlier, Gina, about when you started listing all the different tasks that an executive assistant can help us with, Some of them were personal issues, right? Personal tasks. And some of them were business tasks. In your mind, where does the line get drawn? Or is there a line in your world when you have an executive assistant working with an executive, right? A higher level person in the firm. Can I have them do personal tasks for me? Yeah, you bet. And I highly encourage it if you can afford it, right? At first, you might just say, gosh, I'm carving out thousand dollars every month to spend on this and boy that better turn out some ROI better get return on my investment for that okay you're probably not going to have them arrange the spring break trip for the family right you're going to really have them do more business minded things freeing you up to do the higher revenue items in your firm but as you're able to afford a little bit more boy is it really freeing to give away a lot of that personal stuff yep. because then who is at home with their husband, their wife, their partner, their kids, is somebody who's actually at home, not at home. Now, okay, I'm home, but now I've got to find a gutter repair person and we have to get to Goodwill and then we got to go to the store and then we got to order the thing and then the whole weekend's gone. So you're buying yourself time to really be, I think, with your family. Now, again, at the end of the day, if I've had a long, hard day of work or you've had a long, hard day of work, but we've been doing the stuff that enlivens us, We go home energized and happy and good to be with. So if there are things on a personal front that are what I would call soul sucking, you want to get rid of them to the best of your ability. You do want to give those away. So what I give away on the personal front to my EA is a lot of the start of projects. Like, oh... I need to find a company that can do X, Y, Z. And I know if I go out to Google, I'm going to just waste so much time. But if I send Corrine on it, she'll go do the initial research. And now I don't even know what to ask. 
I rented a yacht for my 50th birthday a couple years ago. I've never rented a yacht. I don't even know what to ask. She said, well, what do you think I should do? I said, I don't know. Just go learn stuff. Right. Go learn stuff and come back to me. So then I can actually have an educated question. And it was great. So she starts usually the beginning of projects. And then I step in around step three or four because now she's educated me. She's educated us. And then I usually send her back out for step five, six, and seven. Interesting. So what about 1099 versus W-2? Are these 1099 contracts or are these W-2 employees? So in the industry, there's everything. So I started out with everybody being a contractor. And I am half of our squad are contractors and half of them are employees. The laws of what constitutes a contractor, of course, are getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Right. You know, so I'm just doing my best. And yep. when you're a multi-state, every state has also different right. rules. So every state is different. Um, doing my best to dance with all of that. So yeah, you have overseas virtual assistants. You have U.S.-based agencies like mine, and that's a great. As you're shopping, that's a great question to ask if you care. You know, hey, are these independent? contractors? Are they employees? What I like about my independent contractors is I make them have their own business license, their own professional liability insurance. So we are doing business, business to business. And they are business people. Yeah. They are not my you know, employees for the most part. So how does Athena work when somebody hires somebody through Athena? We are a vendor of yours. And we go and we find you a great executive assistant. We introduce you to you two look and see, do you guys think you could be good partners? We don't do what we call arranged marriages. So you have to sign off on it. They have to sign off on it. Now we're really good matchmakers. So, you know, when you hire a US-based agency, you're paying a premium because you're paying them to do the vetting, the screening, the pairing. Right. Yep. And then you say, yep, I would love for, you know, Nathan to be my EA. And EA says, yep, I could work great with Mark. And then we send you off both contracts. And then Nathan... In my firm, we require a minimum of 10 hours a week. So you probably start at 10 hours a week. You say, all right, I'm going to see how much I can get out of Nathan in 10 hours a week. And the cool thing is, is that as time goes by, you don't necessarily need to add hours early on because what you can get out of that human being is more and more as the months go by because they're getting better and better at working with you. Right. But then there is often a threshold where you go, okay, I want a little more. Nathan, you got a little more availability. If he says yes, you go, okay, continue on, have a little bit more hours. In my firm, we invoice you twice a month for the exact hours that your EA works. Some firms have like a package. You just pay a monthly fee and you get a certain amount of hours. We just charge for the hours that are worked in our firm and we invoice you twice a month. We turn around, we pay them twice a month. And so the contract is with Athena or is it with... Yes. Okay. Yep. It's with us. And you know, part of the beauty of that is at least in my firm, we have performance coaches. So let's say Nathan is your EA. Nathan's performance is our problem. He's got a coach, he's got a team, he's got a squad, he's got people he can ask questions of so that your job is just to delegate the house and the kitchen sink at him. And you don't have to worry so much about, I don't know, his career plan or you know that his mom was in the hospital last week or his dog is sick or I don't know whatever performance issues there are, we deal with them. And then we come to you and we say, hey, Mark, are things going with Nathan? And you can say, well, it's really good at this, but I think it comes so slow picking that up. But this was really great. But what do you think about that? So we're always checking in on the partnership because ultimately what you're paying for is the partnership. And if it turns out that it's not a good match, pretty easy to swap to somebody else? Yeah. 
yeah, I assume that with, with an agency like that, that's pretty easy to do. All right. Well, that's awesome. Do you have any tips or if somebody wanted to get started, what's the best way for a small firm architect to prepare before they contact an executive assistant agency? Yeah. Well, I would do both and I'd contact and prepare because if you start contacting, you're going to get educated about what's out there in the industry. In my firm, the woman's name is Jennifer. You'd end up talking to Jennifer and she's somebody you just, you could just brainstorm with. Hey, I got this. I got this. I got this. Do you even think that's 10 hours a week worth of work? She might be like, no, I think that's only five hours a week worth of work. You know, come back to us later and keep making a list at the same time. Keep making a list of what would you delegate, you know, and in the short term. And what in the long term and the places to look are the repetitive things. You know, every time I have a meeting, I've got to have A, B, and C. Okay, well, that's something you could turn over. The scheduling of the meetings, right? The confirming of the meetings. A lot of that can be done through technology and automation. And also a lot of people know that, but yet they don't have it set up. Okay, good. We'll have your EA come in and set up that automation. Right. Right. So a good place to start is what all do you see you could give away? And then start brainstorming. You know, if you go out to our website, Athena Executive Services, there will be tons of information about what all you could delegate, what people have delegated, things like that, and start looking. And then I would just start small. You know, if you came to me, we will probably say to you, just start at 10 hours a week. Just start small. It's for you as well as for us, because you're going to get better at delegating and having an assistant. So I would start small. Give things away. If you can't even afford, you know, if you can't afford a firm yet, you might go to Upwork or Fiverr and just delegate a project. All right, just give it a try, a little test. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So start small and you'll get better and better at delegating for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's exactly how I started. I have an executive assistant and I, for four or five years now, and it was tough to make that, Leap, right? My mindset was I want to control it all, right? But it was very, very quick. As soon as she started, it was just like, oh, everything is better. Everything is better, right? Because now you have somebody you can trust and they want to do that work for you. So it's not even hard to give them the work because they want the work. They want to help you, right? That's the mindset of that type of person who's working with you, who has that role, who wants to do that work, wants to help you, wants to make your life better. It's part of who they are as people. Yeah. So it is hard to make that first jump, but it's very easy once you start seeing the results of it. Yeah, absolutely. And there are things I just will not book my own airline tickets again. I just won't. And it's partly because it's such a time suck. Well, what if I left a few days earlier? Well, what if I took the earlier flight? Well, what if I use points? Maybe I use points in this. Well, what if we flew out on Thursday? Ah, that's the stupidest use of my time. You know, so that's there's certain things once you've given them over, you just don't ever want to take them back. Right. Exactly. This has been very interesting, Gina. And and I bet you that many architects who've been thinking about this for a long time are going to take the jump. <laughs> They're going to leap into this and take it the first step. So I appreciate you coming by and giving us a little nudge. Before you go, I want to ask you the final question that I ask all my guests. You've built a business from scratch. You've in a similar situation to many of our listeners, architect business owners. What is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Well, it is obviously what I think. Delegate, right? Delegate. But look to see what are you spending time on? And it doesn't have to be anything highfalutin. It might be just you hate doing it. Okay, figure out how to get that out of your space. 
is then who's left is a guy or a woman who is doing really great work. Yeah. Get what you do not like to do out of your space. Even if it's just one thing next week, one thing. Her name is Gina Kotner. The company is Athena Executive Services. The website is the same, athenaexecutiveservices.com. We'll have a link to that on the show notes. Also, you offer, you said that we can give you a call and you can pick your brain, a free initial call for Athena. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. Yep. And we'll have the link in there. You'll get linked to a great lady named Jennifer Tracy, and she can answer all kinds of questions for you about the industry and us. We'll have a link to that on the show notes. It's athenaexecutiveservices.com slash explore hiring a VA, but with dashes in between each word, explore hiring a VA. But we'll have a link to that on the show notes. It's hard to remember. We'll make it nice and easy for you. Just go to the show notes for this episode and we'll have links to all of this. Gina, thank you for coming by and inspiring us to dive a little deeper into this. I think that many architects think about this often, right? They are overwhelmed with all the things they're doing and the workload that they're doing. And they're just like, I wish I had somebody to help me. This is it. This is your calling right now. Go do this. This is somebody tapping you on the shoulder. Go check out athenaexecutiveservices.com. Gina, thank you for coming by and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share a link to this episode with a friend because that is how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands more architects just like you. By sharing a rating, write a review, share a link to this episode with a friend. I appreciate you for that. Thank you to all our sponsors for this episode, RCAT and Entree Architect Network. Links to sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode and every episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. You can now earn continuing education credits for listening to this podcast. Select episodes of Entree Architect Podcast are approved for AIA continuing education credit. Learn more about our new Gable Members program at gablemedia.com slash members. That's G-A-B-L media.com slash members. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage. Love, learn, and go share what you know. Imagine earning continuing education credits while doing exactly what you're doing right now. Well, you can. Gable Media has revolutionized the way you earn your continuing education credits with a groundbreaking approach. Forget running around town and scouring the internet for credit-worthy courses. Fulfill your CE requirements effortlessly by listening to engaging podcasts just like the one you're listening to now. Our podcasts are designed to educate, entertain, and inspire all in a user-friendly environment. But wait, there's more. Architects, Gable Media is also approved as an AIA Continuing Education Services Provider. Upon completion, we handle everything, 
from reporting your hours directly to the AIA to storing your certificates in your personal Gable Media profile for your self-reporting needs. So follow the link in the show notes and start earning your credits in the most innovative and entertaining way possible with Gable Media. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.